Okay. Welcome to our Sunday show here at Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host and producer, Janine Moloff. And, you know, we've had a few changes in our uh, in our format recently. Um, excuse me. Okay. We had a few changes in our format recently. Uh, we're combining both Progressive News Network, the Sunday show, along with my original show, which is the Environmental Justice Report. And we're going to keep playing around with the format until we hit the right, you know, the right balance. Anyway, if you saw our advert this week, you saw that I just plainly stated that anti-CRT or anti-critical race theory laws are First Amendment violations. And they are. They constitute an unconstitutional attack on the First Amendment rights of students and especially teachers. Uh, The first story is going to feature a Texas school district that fired a much-beloved high school principal uh, who dared to discuss racism, the murder of George Floyd, and similar issues with students and others who sought him out. Uh, Make no mistake about it, these anti-CRT laws are nothing but pure censorship, and they're sponsored by various interests. We're also going to have our Jackass of the Week Award, and we have a very special Jackass. Actually, it's a Jenny, a female Jackass this week, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to do the best I can. I have a tooth that's bothering me, but... Let's just keep going. All right. So the first story deals with this. um, There's a lot of discussion regarding the First Amendment. And this report, as I just said a minute ago, is going to discuss the free speech rights of a much abused class of citizens, public school teachers. And I do not say much abused lightly because I served myself as an educator in our public schools for 30 years. And in that time, I personally witnessed a dictatorial abuse of our teachers, which ranged from verbal threats to job loss. The abuse came not only from administrators, but also from parents and alleged advocacy groups. You see, in this good old USA, everyone Everyone seems to be a self-appointed expert on education. It's unbelievable. And the disrespect that this self-appointed, faux legitimacy uh, pushes, it's palpable. It's disrespect against professional educators. Well, today's show, I'm sorry, today's show will focus on an organized plan of abuse coming from conservative parent groups well-funded not-for-profits who are ironically funded by billionaires who are very much for-profit, like Charles Koch, and their political toadies who pander to the threats of the conservative, and I'm just going to call it what it is, lynch mob. You know, people like Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, who I call Ron Death Santis because of his lunacy that he's shown uh, during the COVID pandemic. We have other politicians like here in Missouri, Governor Mike Parson, another conservative bigot and moron, in my opinion. But then we have another group, too, and you have some well-heeled attorneys for alleged nonprofits like ALEC. 
uh, and ALEC stands for the American Legislative Exchange Council. We also have a variety of other groups that have been constantly interfering in our public schools in the hopes of really dismantling them. Um, but the attorneys, especially for the nonprofits like ALEC or the politicians who are also attorneys like DeSantis, conveniently ignore are the fact that public school teachers are still citizens and they have, they have First Amendment free speech rights. They do not suddenly give up their free speech rights the minute they acquire their professional credential and cross the threshold of the schoolhouse. It doesn't work that way. So this report will present the case against an organized effort to censor our teachers, censor our teaching materials, and library books as well, and essentially whitewash history to a level um, that would satisfy groups like the Ku Klux Klan and, yes, the Nazis. So first I'm going to discuss a case that came out of Texas. Okay, so give me, I'm going to take a little drink of water here. Mm. Excuse me, folks. Uh, sorry for that. So we have this case coming out of Texas. Now, this article, uh, there was an article, and it was written, I believe, in the Texas Tribune. Okay. And I believe the uh, journalist was Brooklyn Howard. And it was published just this past Thursday. And it's, the headline is, Texas official admits beloved black principal was fired for being against racism. Okay. So basically, this involves uh, two primary characters. You have this principal named Dr. James Whitfield, and he was really just much beloved, as the article says, by students and parents that weren't bigots anyway. And Dr. James Whitfield became Colleyville High School's first black principal in 2020. Now, he wrote a letter to, you know, the entire school community as, you know, principals and school board members and other, as principals and uh, school board, I'm sorry, let me start again. He wrote a letter as some principals will do, as well as some uh, school superintendents. Um, this was right after the murder, the police murder of George Floyd. And he wrote this letter about police brutality, condemning it. And after this letter published, um, Dr. Whitfield was placed on what they call administrative leave, according to the Daily Beast, in July of 2020. Okay. Now, the Texas Tribune reported that, quote, a, a former school board candidate named Stetson Clark said during a board meeting, quote, he is encouraging the disruption and destruction of our district, end quote. I don't know what Mr. Clark's talking about. How is writing a letter condemning the police, the, the, the police murder of George Floyd how is that, quote, disrupting and destructing the district to recognize the truth about police brutality, that police brutality is widespread in this country, uh, and 
yes, its primary target, though not only target, but its primary target happens to be the black community. There's no guesswork here, but Mr. Stet Mr. Clark apparently believed that. Now, in September 2021, the, school, the same school district voted unanimously to not renew Dr. Whitfield's contract, which is the same as firing him. A lot of parents, students, and teachers were very angry about that because this was not only unjust, Dr. Whitfield was fired because not only for his politics, he was fought, which is his right, but he was fired for daring to be, I'm going to call it what they call it here in Missouri, an uppity black man who dared to stand up to the racist and call them out. Dr. Whitfield did the right thing. I would and have done similar myself. Well, there was a new school board member, and I did call and leave a message for her because she's, Dr. Whitfield is one major character in this, in this story, but the school board member by the name of Tammy Nakamura is the other character. Now, she's new to the Grapevine Colleyville School Board, but she had to talk up this issue. Now, a little something more about Tammy Nakamura. She has been a Trump acolyte for some time. Um, she was involved in an RNC meeting. Oh, let's see now. Let me get this right here. Ah, uh, yeah, there it is. Um, it's too flat on me. Anyway, uh, she was at a gathering of school board members that, uh, back in apparently June. That's what it looks like anyway, according to this article. And it was a gathering of school board members hosted by the Republican National Committee. So for more mainstream Republicans to claim that this level of censorship uh, of our schools isn't mainstream Republicanism, no, it is. So Ms. Nak Tammy Nakamura was in a gathering of school board members that was hosted by the Republican National Committee. And this was as documented on the events page. And the RNC um, said that the group was organizing this June 26th meeting ahead of the local, state, and federal elections to discuss, quote, issues parents have raised and the success they have had in getting elected and making a difference in how parents slash students can get involved. Tammy Nakamura was listed there as a, quote, distinguished elected trustee, end quote. So there was even a video of the event, and it was posted to the Colleyville, the group called the Colleyville Citizens for Accountability Facebook group. And that was posted on July 8th. And Tammy Nakamura is seen in this video commenting on the firing of Dr. Whitfield. And so basically, you know, basically Tammy Nakamura alleged that Dr. Whitfield shamefully brought national attention to the school district. And what were his crimes? Well, one, he was married to a white woman, according to Nakamura. And Two, that it was the principal's allegedly woke agenda that led, quote, led to his ouster, end quote. So, you know, apparently Ms. Nakamura, besides, uh, you know, being ignorant, 
she her bigotry is there, her racism's there for everyone to see. Um, and here's what Nakamura had to say, direct quotes from that video. Quote, I went in last week and read the whole file. Okay, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. That got him fired. Uh, there is absolute proof what he was trying to do. Now, what end quote. Now, that's what, not, what Nakamura is referring to is the letter that Dr. Whitfield sent to parents. So I stand corrected here. Two parents about targeting racism and hate. All right. So Dr. Whitfield was trying to encourage parents to, you know, support teaching youngsters that they that they should basically treat everyone with reasonable respect. This is what Tammy Nakamura had a problem with. Because again, in order to do that, you had to mention the elephant in the room, which is racism, and it's obvious. So um, Nakamura really, according to this uh, article, Tammy Nakamura really didn't elaborate any further on specific details, you know, in with Dr. Whitfield's letter. But according to his article, quote, she was adamant that she had a list of other educators in the school system with similar motives, end quote. So pardon the pun, but it looks like Tammy Nakamura has a blacklist of progressive educators, or maybe not progressive, just educators that believe in school being a safe place, every student has an equal opportunity. Apparently, Ms. Nakamura has a problem with that. Now, to quote Nakamura again, quote, they have to be stopped now. We cannot have teachers such as these in our schools because they're just poison and they're taking our schools down, end quote. Okay, if Tammy Nakamura sounds unhinged to you, well, then we're in agreement because she just sounds unhinged. Um, but thank God in Colleyville, not everybody there is a freaking racist. Apparently, members of the Colleyville community in Facebook push back. Um, let's see what it says here. Amin Jelani in the Colleyville Citizens for Accountability Facebook group said, quote, first, Tammy Harris Nakamura, your story is incoherent, so it's hard to follow your misguided claims, end quote. Jelani went on to say, second, quote, second, Dr. James Woodfield was targeted because he addressed the murder of George Floyd and he made himself available to support all students who have questions and thoughts about inequality and injustice. James is an asset to our community, not poison, end quote. And I agree with Emin Chilani. Now, Carl Meek also posted in the same group, quote, sounds like a 15th century attempt to prosecute an old world inquisition. What's next? Rounding up the poisonous teachers, shackling them, and then sentencing them to an indeterminate incarceration in the towers of Colleyville? What's old must be new again? End quote. Now, there was another Colleyville resident that um, called out Nakamura's suggestion of a list of poison teachers, quote, as a, quote, employment hit list, end quote. And, oops, sorry about that. And that is as documented in the Facebook group. Okay. But it's not just there in Texas. Um, it's other places too. But other other people in this group question, first of all, they question how did Tammy Nakamura as a school board member have the legal right to access educators' files? 
In fact, David Benedetto, who's a substitute teacher in the district, said, quote, well, Tammy, that is not what was read in open meeting by the HR director. By the way, why are you revealing confidential personnel matters, end quote? Now, according to the Star-Telegram, Dr. Whitfield is on paid administrative leave until his resignation goes into effect in August of 2023. And now this story originally was, I stand corrected, at the Daily Beast. Okay, my bad, I'll admit when I made a mistake. Uh, and according to this, the Grapevine Colleyville Independent School District um, did not return requests for comment and Tammy Nakamura didn't either. Mm. All right, so now let's talk to the bigger story, which is systemic censorship of teachers and students. And kind of bear with me with these these um, these long pauses because again, of a temporary filling is causing me some issues. Okay, so you know, as a longtime educator, I have heard even close friends say, "Well, you know." You're a public employee, so of course you can't get political. But politicians can get political and they're public employees. So what's the difference? Uh, I would say that there is a problem in part because in public education, especially at the K through 12 level, the majority of practitioners are still females. So there is, besides systemic racism, there's systemic misogyny as well. And I think that goes plays into part of the disrespect for K through 12 teachers as well. Um, and, and you know, once again, I was known in my district, St. Louis City Public Schools, as being very outspoken, perhaps dangerously so. I regret none of it. Okay, so let's talk about the bigger story: this systemic censorship. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, you don't have to look any further even than the, you know, the, the monkey trial, right? Where they were, you know, uh, trying to prosecute someone for teaching evolution. There was a famous play about it. Uh, in, I think it was Inherit the Wind. And, um, you know, once again, you have racists, you have religious zealots that want to censor teachers. Now, if these parents feel so threatened by teaching the full truth about history, by teaching the, all the facts about uh, current events, if they're so threatened by art and literature, which they think violates their own personal religious beliefs, they are perfectly welcome to send their kids to parochial or private schools. Public schools are supposed to represent everyone. I personally never had children, but I still pay my taxes to support the school districts because that's part of my civic responsibility as a citizen. So I take a lot of this very, very personally. Um, so there was this article, and this was, let's see now, in Ed Week, which is uh, short for Education Weekly. Uh, it was written by Steven Sawchuk. This was in October of 2021, and the headline is Critical Race Theory Law Violates Teachers' Free Speech, ACLU Argues in New Lawsuit. So this dealt with last October 2021. Uh, it started with some new legislation that was passed in Oklahoma, which banned 
how gender and race can be taught in classrooms. They used uh, terminology in the, in the law that what the ACLU complained was overly vague, sweeping, arbitrary, and yes, unconstitutional. Uh, the lawsuit makes three major claims, and they are as following, quote, that the law will have a chilling effect on what K through 12 teachers, as well as higher education faculty choose to teach. Two, it will likely result in arbitrary penalties for teachers like having their licenses pulled. And three, all, all that impermissibly deprives them of their free speech and equal protection rights, end quote. Now, there is a direct quote from the lawsuit, quote, the law is vague, overbroad, and viewpoint discriminatory, I'm sorry, let me start again. Quote, the law's vague, overbroad, and viewpoint discriminatory provisions leave Oklahoma educators with an impossible and unconstitutional choice. Avoid topics related to race or sex in class materials and discussions or risk losing their teaching licenses for violating the law. End quote. The complaint goes on to read, quote, its application has also chilled and censored speech that strikes at the heart of public education and the nation's democratic institutions. Educators at all levels are blacklisting books by diverse authors and adapting their instructional approaches to avoid raising complex questions about race and gender, end quote. Now this article in Education Weekly also mentions how at that time, probably more now, at that time over, time, over a dozen states have passed laws that are similar to Oklahoma's or with the same intent as documented by Ed Weekly. And this particular lawsuit is the first of what they suspect will be many lawsuits to follow, challenging those laws. Um, they say dozens of, quote, local school districts nationwide have also considered or passed similarly worded bans on what teachers can teach regarding race. Think about that. Let that sink in. <clears throat> if you don't have an objection to that, you should. Because what's going to be next, if you can't talk honestly about racism in this country, you can't talk honestly about what happened during slavery and then Jim Crow up to the present day, then the next is going to be you won't be able to talk truthfully about the Holocaust either. And the fact is, History supposed, if you're really studying history, it should make you uncomfortable. History is not supposed to be the recitation of this Pollyanna ver version, which white Christian men are always the hero. That's not history. History is telling the plain, unvarnished truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly, no matter what. And it should make all of us uncomfortable. That's the point but maybe we won't do the same ugly things again. This particular lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Oklahoma. It's being brought by the ACLU's Oklahoma chapter, as well as the Lawyers Committee on Civil Rights. And it's being brought on behalf of uh, a black student organization at Oklahoma University, as well as the state's NAACP chapter, as well as groups representing Native Americans and college professors and other parties. And then, you know, you need to look at who's named as defendants. The lawsuit names the Republican governor, John O'Connor, 
They also named the State Superintendent of Education, Joy Hoffmeister. They named the Oklahoma State School Board, the State Attorney General, and the Regents of Oklahoma's two state university systems. Now, the lawyers argue that the law, not only does this law weaken a student's knowledge of their state's history, um, but they also argue that Oklahoma's HB 1775, which was passed uh, last May, quote, unlawfully prescribes what educators can address in the classroom in pursuit of a political agenda that complicates teachers' ability to teach dark moments in the state's history, like the Tulsa massacre. I'm going to say that again. This lawsuit, sorry about that. This lawsuit argues that when Oklahoma passed HB 1775, that that particular law, quote, unlawfully prescribes what educators can address in the classroom in pursuit of a political agenda that complicates teachers' ability to teach dark moments in the state's history, end quote. Dark moments like the Tulsa race massacre, which some of us are only finding out for the first time now. Seriously, I, I mean, I'm 62 years old. This is the first time I've, I'm hearing about it now in my 60s. I didn't learn about it in high school. Okay? Should have, but it wasn't taught. In fact, I remember in high school, and I went to a so-called great school district, we were also taught that the Civil War wasn't really about slavery. It was about taxation policies. Nonsense. The Civil War was about slavery. Slavery was big business. It was evil, but it was also big business. So this way they can't mention the Tulsa Race Massacre. Um, when you have this type of censorship going on in your schools, students of color, especially black students as well as LGBTQ students, they're going to feel unwelcome, and that's the intent. Make no mistake about it. When you censor our teachers to prevent them from talking about the truth of history, a big part of the intent is for some parents to sabotage the children of other parents, uh, the, um, to sabotage the children of families that they do not like. Make no mistake about it. This is white parents sabotaging the rights of children of color, of children that are part of the LGBTQ community. There's no guesswork here. And, you know, for someone like Tammy McNamara and the others, I would say it takes a special kind of vile coward to craft laws that literally attack children. Okay? There's something so evil about that. You have to tell the truth. But... It goes further. Um, teachers and librarians have removed books like uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, and also I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou because they're terrified that they're going to um, break that dubious law. I mean, this is really about the same as a book burning. Oh, I see we have a caller. Uh, what I would tell the caller is you're going to have to wait because I typically don't take questions until near the end of the program. This is not Fox. And, you know, it'd be interesting here. Well, you know what, maybe I'll, let's see what this person has to say. I'm curious. Hopefully I won't disconnect them. Hmm. How do you do this? No, I don't want screen. I want, all right. 
There you go. You're on uh, Progressive News Network. Okay, greetings, and thank you for having me. I'm Shabaka Sankori. I'm the executive producer of the podcast, Shabaka's Black Experience in Hand. And, uh, yes, in the school system, they need to talk about the horrors, uh, you know, of the transatlantic slave trade. And not so much uh, in the beginning. And not so much in the beginning of it, but of how systemically, of how it perpetuated yeah. itself, okay? It's because you go oh. on, like, say, from 1619, let's say, up to 1865. So already, mm-hmm. that's like about, you know, 150, almost 200-plus years, you see. And then, of course, what it had been perpetuated after that, okay, with the sharecropping system or the systemic uh, right. uh, stealing of black people's land and as you know land is a factor of production. and then during jim crow yes, and during jim crow the chain gangs oh yes ma'am absolutely indeed yeah. and then yeah. of course I'm sorry, you I didn't know the labor that that, no i'm sorry I'm say sorry, that again please i'm sorry no didn't but also oh okay yeah but however it is definitely uh a subject matter that needs to be talked how ugly how mm-hmm. uncomfortable it is right. you just have to deal with it and on our podcast right. and you can check the archives on some of our episodes we have addressed these mm-hmm. issues and many other issues you know related uh with the Eschabach's black experience enhanced because we deal sure. with the um black history from the beginning of time to 10 minutes ago but most definitely and, and, and it's because sir, now I, Yes, ma'am. I know, and I'd, I'd love to hear this because we're on a clock here. Um, I, oh. What you can do is uh, you can send an um, you can send a message to me on Facebook. Uh, like I said okay. I, before, I typically don't take questions until the end of the show. But if you would like to be on our show, I'd be happy to have you. Oh yes, like. ma'am, absolutely. Okay, okay. and then to uh, and yeah, and you got my number right there. And, you know, please give me a call. Let me let me write it down before I forget because we're in the middle of a live show and typically, right. you know, you know how that goes. But uh, just to let you know, I taught in St. Louis Public for 30 okay. years. And oh, okay. So you're an educator. Okay. I, I am an educator as well as a journalist. And, um, you know, it galled me what was going on in terms of just the rampant racism um, I'm also a Ferguson um, supporter protest. I was down there every day, just about. So um, okay. I'm, I'm well versed. I'd love to have you on the show. Yeah, in Ferguson, yes, and what I saw. I mean, there's always people that cause trouble. At, you know, if you're out at two in the morning, huh, you're up to no good. Let's face it. They weren't connected with Pretty the protesters. But, yeah. The protesters, though, it felt more like a church picnic, okay? There were nice people there. I'm, you know, it, they were so maligned and slandered, it was disgusting. So um, wow. I would love to have you on. I wrote down your number, um, and I hope yes, you enjoyed ma'am. the rest of the show. I just got to get through it all. Okay, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to sit back and listen. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Bye-bye. You're quite welcome. Go ahead. Okay. See if I can do this. Okay. All right. Well, that was a nice, refreshing change. <laughs> you know, usually we get somebody who's a real crank. Sounds like a nice man with something really valuable to say. All right. So this is really about censorship. And, and the fact is, not only did this happen here in the United States, but uh, being, you know, someone who lost family, you know, in the Holocaust, uh, one of the things the Nazis did was censor their teachers, censor their intellectuals. Uh, and 
what a lot of people here in the United States, including a large part of the Jewish population, do not understand because, again, it wasn't taught in school, and the old-timers were still too traumatized to talk about it much, is that one of the reasons Hitler went after the Jews specifically, it wasn't because of religion. It was because in Europe we were the dark ones. Um, when you look at the actual Nazi propaganda, we were considered, quote, I guess the term would be mixed, mixed race. All right? And they wanted this purely Aryan white nation. So, uh, excuse me. My teeth drive me crazy. So basically, um, <clears throat> you know, what Hitler did, it was a genocide, genocidal um, uh, removal of people he thought weren't white enough, namely Jews. So this is the beginning of it. You cannot have your public schools censored. You cannot censor your teachers, not to mention the fact that it's unconstitutional. And we should learn the entire history. You know, the wealth of this nation was built on the backs of black slaves. You cannot, uh, you cannot refuse to see that, that very, very strong truth. It just was. In fact, I saw, I think it was an article by an economist. I don't have the source in front of me, unfortunately. But uh, one economist estimated that the wealth generated by black slaves on plantations in the, you know, 17, especially the 1800s, um, was if you basically adjusted for what the money level is now, it would have been then the equivalent of an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos. This was big money. And people of color, were, as well as women, were not seen as fully human. Let's be honest about it. And you can't change a corrupt system if you're unwilling or refuse to see the truth. Like I said, if you're really studying history, it should make you at the very least uncomfortable. Okay? So what this lawsuit is saying, that basically the law was written so vaguely that, quote, it invites arbitrary and discriminatory enforcement against teachers depriving them of equal protection under the law, end quote. And then the, law, the lawsuit also claims that, quote, the law and successive regulations were passed with racial and partisan intent in mind that would harm students of color, end quote. And I believe it. I do. Um, so this is what we're dealing with right now. And... Um, you know, again, the case, if you want to look it up yourself, is uh, the case of Black Emergency Response Team at Al V. O'Connor. And we will be talking about that case in the future. I will also be most likely writing about it in a series that I'm presently continuing for BuzzFlash, which is my series on judicial capture. None of this is happening by accident. This is done by design. Okay. And so now we're going to move ahead here. Uh, you have to realize this whole critical race theory nonsense, uh, I'm sorry, this is, how do I put it, the boogeyman, the educational boogeyman, all right? First of all, critical race theory as it is known, or CRT, is never taught in K through 12. It is an academic theory that is basically only taught at the graduate level for instance, if you're pursuing a doctoral degree, either in history or political science, something like that, or in law school, period. 
But these rabid bigots are using CRT to object to telling the truth of our history. It's that simple. So this, nobody's teaching CRT unless you have some very advanced kindergartners, which I kind of doubt. You know, they'd have to be able to read, you know, at a law school level in kindergarten. I mean, I, I, I'm making light of it, but the point is it's, it's that ridiculous. What they're calling CRT isn't CRT. What these bigots are objecting to isn't CRT. It, they object to teaching the full truth of history. They don't want to tell the truth about the horrors of slavery. I mean, imagine this. In your own, your own village, and these strange people come, and they kidnap you. Maybe they kill some of your family, kill the rest of the village, whatever. Then they chain you to the bottom of the hull of the ship. Uh, you, most of them didn't make the full journey. They got sick and died. There was no ventilation, nothing. And then if you survive the journey, then you're sold like an animal. Your children are sold. They're torn out of your arms. And then you're forced to work for, the, for your abusers and until your usefulness wears out. And then they kill you. There's nothing justifiable in any of that. It is what it is. And after slavery, it became Jim Crow. This was big money, period. It's that simple. But we have to tell the truth about all of this. You know, according to the Brookings Institute, Fox News, and that, talk about an oxymoron, okay, Fox is the news, but Fox mentioned critical race theory some 1,300 times, and that's according to MediaMatters.org, and that was in less than four months' time, okay? Because, again, CRT, or critical race theory, is the boogeyman, you know, for people that just cannot face the truth of our racist history. And we have to, okay? Now, this was in a piece by a senior fellow in governance studies for Brookings named Rayshawn Ray and a research intern named Alexandra Gibbons. And they go on in this paper to say, quote, CRT does not attribute racism to white people as individuals or even to entire groups of people. Simply put, critical race theory states that U.S. social institutions, e.g. the criminal justice system, education system, labor market, housing market, and healthcare system, are laced with racism embedded in laws, regulations, rules, and procedures that lead to differential outcomes by race. Huh? Sociologists and other scholars have long noted that, quote, racism can exist without racism. However, many Americans are not able to separate their individual identity as an American from the social institutions that govern us. These people perceive themselves as the system. Consequently, they interpret calling social institutions racist as calling them racist personally, end quote. And, and that's a big part of the problem. Uh, there have been some scholars in sociology that talk to that reaction of white fragility. Um, I think that part of it is also an issue in using professional jargon. Well, jargon is language and terminology that is specific to an academic discipline. And it's appropriate to use jargon within the context of you know, a prof uh, an academic discipline. 
it's not really considered good practice to just use it willy-nilly because the general public, many of which may not have studied that academic discipline, they're going to misconstrue. They just are. Um, you know, the concept of privilege. You know, to a lot of whites, privilege sounds like, you know, they have an unfair advantage, which they do. They don't perceive it as such because white privilege is really basically saying that you're not automatically going to be harassed by a police officer or abused by them just for breathing, as many people of color are. And I understand that. But I think we need to kind of look at some of these terms and use language that's a little clearer across a wide, uh, a wide, uh, a wide spectrum of different groups of people. I think we get more cooperation that way. That's my own personal, you know, viewpoint. But, you know, once again, this anti-CRT thing, this is just the excuse to refuse, not only to refuse, but this is the excuse to censor teachers so that the truth of our nation is not told. And that is almost identical to what the Nazis did. I'm just going to say it. We've dealt with it before. In fact, we've dealt with it continually. It's time to tell the truth because this is an attack on minority children. It just is. And as a lifelong teacher, it, it not only enrages me, it breaks my heart. The fact is all children should be allowed to go to school and have equal, not only equal opportunities, but equal standing. It's just that simple. And they should all feel safe and welcome. And they don't. And that's not by accident. That's by design. Okay. There are nine states that have passed similar legislation. Probably more now because this was back in 21. Idaho, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, New Hampshire, that's surprising, South Carolina, Arizona, and North Dakota. Okay. Uh, you know, once again, most of this legislation bans the discussion, training, or orientation that the U.S. is inherently racist. But the U.S. is. Okay? It's, just, it's not just racist. I would, I would amend that statement to say that there is an a actual racist hierarchy where, the, just like the Nazis did, where the whitest of the whites, you know, blonde, blue eyes, uh, you know, you look like Brad Pitt, at the top of it, the heap, and then you've got some people that look kind of white, people like me where I'm light-skinned, but I've, you know, I have um, ethnic hair. It's curly. It's kinky. I'm proud of it. Um, and then you have people of color, especially the black community at the very bottom. You can't pretend this doesn't exist. It does. And it, it's been the cancer that has hurt our nation since its very founding. Uh, you have to wonder, who does it benefit? Well, in the long run, it benefits the very rich. Because think about it. When all of us are distracted with this, we're not noticing how much we're being robbed. Now, mind you, racism as well as misogyny is more than just a distraction. And I'm not saying that that's all it is. It is inherently evil. People should not be racist. They should not be sexist. Period. 
shouldn't be religious bigotry either. But it's been a way of enforcing this hierarchy, and it divides us. You know, it's the old divide and conquer idea. You know, at the beginning of this nation's founding, a lot of people don't realize there were also white indentured servants. Now, they had a few more rights than the black slaves, but the very beginning, the white indentured servants and the black slaves started to kind of cooperate and work together. And when the white slave owners saw that, they decided to create racism. All right? They couldn't have these two groups of people working together because they had a common interest economically at the very least. So they created racism so that these white indentured servants would look down on black slaves. It's nasty, but it's true. And there's a lot of different ones. There's, you know, you look at this, there's an appendix to this paper from Brookings, which is Legislative and Administrative Actions regarding CRT, and it was last updated uh, November of 21. Um, House Bill 2898 was signed in June of 21 by Governor Doug Ducey. It prohibited the use of, quote, public monies for instruction that presents any form of blame or judgment on the base of race, ethnicity, or sex, end quote. It, you have to tell the truth. You can't just teach about history in the United States and say that whites that held slaves were blameless. They were to blame. In Iowa, House Bill, House File 802 was signed in June of 21 by Governor Kim Reynolds. Quote, bans incorporating specified concepts regarding race and sex into mandatory trainings for government agencies, teachers, and higher education students. Specified concepts must also not be included in curriculum in public K-12 schools. What would they do if a student brought these questions to them? Seriously. New Hampshire, not just the South. Um, still on here, okay. Uh, there was an anti-CRT section that was incorporated in the House Bill 2. Um, it was signed by Governor Sununu in June of 21. It prohibits teaching specified concepts in public schools and in governmental agency training. And of course, we have Texas, or as I call them, Texas. The mispronunciation is quite intentional, I assure you. Uh, House Bill 3979, again, signed into law in June of 21. That was replaced with, with stricter legislation, Senate Bill 3, which was signed into law uh, September of 21, and SB3 makes significant changes to required civics education curriculum, establishes a new civics training program for teachers, requires that both sides of current controversial issues are presented, prohibits teaching certain concepts regarding race and sex, and giving academic credit for advocacy work. We're going to be talking about more in a little bit. There's federal action being considered. Uh, there's the Saving History Act of 2021, and that is as documented by the office of Senator Marsha Blackburn, blackburn.senate.gov. Uh, this would withhold federal funding. I'm reading straight from this with some exceptions from schools that teach the 1619 Project. So she's pushing censoring uh, some journalism. That's what it is. Think about that. 
But Senator Blackburn, you know, let's face it, you know, she missed the boat when they were handing out brains. <laughs> oh, my opinion. Anyway, there was also um, a federal act called the Ending Critical Race Theory in D.C. Public Schools Act. That was introduced by a representative from Wisconsin. It would ban certain concepts being taught in D.C. public and charter schools. And that is as documented by Groff, was it Grothman or grothman.house.gov. You've got the Stop CRT Act. It's documented by congress.gov.bill. Um, it would withhold federal funding from schools and universities that promote what they call, quote, race-based theories. The Senate, keep in mind, the Democrats have the majority. The Senate passed an amendment, according to www.cotton.senate.gov, Tom, Senator Tom Cotton's a Republican. They passed an amendment, quote, to the budget resolution from mansions, with mansion support, blocking federal funding from being used to teach CRT in pre-K and K through 12 schools. I'm going to read that one again. That one's really dangerous. Huh? And this temporary filling's getting on my nerves. It is the Senate passed an amendment, and this is according to Senator Tom Cotton's office, to the budget resolution bill. So they snuck this in because this was nothing to do with the budget resolution. And they did so with Senator Joe Manchin's support. And this amendment would, bl would block federal funding from being used to teach critical race theory in pre-K and K through 12 schools. Okay, how is this not, this is just the postmodern version of the Nazi book burnings, nothing else. Huh? Go further. There is what's called the Peace Act, peace spelled P-E-A-C-E. Huh? Ironic title. And that is uh, from Marco Rubio's office. Huh? Rubio.senate.gov. The Peace Act would prohibit federal American history and civics education program. Per, let me start again. The Peace Act, spelled like, you know, peace, the absence of strife. The Peace Act, quote, would prohibit federal American history and civics education programming funds from being used to teach, quote, divisive concepts, end quote. What the hell does Senator Rubio think, think constitutes a divisive concept? Teaching history well is all about divisive concepts. Good God. And then we have the last one here, the Protecting Students from Racial Hostility Act. And this was as documented, again, from Marco Rubio's office. This would amend Title, uh, the title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to make the teaching of, again, quote, of divisive concepts, end quote, discriminatory. And it establishes a system for reporting related complaints. My, oh, my. Now, keep in mind, Marco Rubio is Hispanic, albeit he looks white enough, but the point is he's Hispanic, and he is actually attacking other people of color. Amazing. Oh. Now, the, sorry about these long pauses. These are all federal bills. 
unbelievable. Okay, let's move on. So this is their their excuse. You know, NPR, National Public Radio, has a piece on here too. And the headline, this was in February 2022, the headline was, From Slavery to Socialism, New Legislation Restricts What Teachers Can Discuss. And according to researcher Jeffrey Sachs, at this point in February 22, 35 states introduced 137 bills specifically limiting what students can t- what schools can teach regarding race, American history, politics, sexual orientation, and gender identity, end quote. Huh? Now, Mr. Sachs has been tracking the legislation for a group called Pen America, which is a writer's organization, and you can find his tracking at pen.org. Uh, steep rise in gag orders, many sloppily drafted. And what this is, this is a gag order. It's censorship. And it is, you know, basically, it, it violates the free speech rights of teachers and students. Um, Jeffrey Sachs also ex- explained that this, this legislation has created what he calls a minefield for educators, um, especially teachers that are trying to figure out how to teach topics like the gentleman earlier said about slavery, Jim Crow, or the Holocaust. Um, and just straight from this NPR article, uh, I'm going to read this sentence straight from it. Huh? Quote, one proposed law in South Carolina, for instance, prohibits teachers from discussing any topic that creates, quote, discomfort, guilt, or anguish, end quote, on the basis of political belief. Now, Jeffrey Sachs is quoted here in saying, quote, that means that a teacher would have to be very, very careful about how they discuss something like, let's say, fascism or racism or anti-Semitism. These are political beliefs, and it means that teachers are going to have to second-guess whether they can describe that political belief in as forthright and honest a way as we wish for fear of running afoul of this bill, end quote. Make no mistake about it, critical race theory, it's just bigot, bigot code for we want, they want to punish uppity people of color, uppity women, uppity members of the LGBTQ community, period. That's all it is. It is nothing else. And so now we're going to move on to, okay, where do these people get these ideas for all these laws? And you think, well, they made it up, right? Not exactly. Now, this is something I've talked about before. And again, um, I wrote a piece for BuzzFlash, and it ran in October of 2021. And it explains where the genesis for these laws, where the genesis of, you know, model bills comes from. And it comes from an alleged non-for-profit, but they're a lobbyist group, and they're ultra-conservative. In fact, call them what they are. I, I think they are just enabling racists and neo-Nazis, period. Where did the inspiration for these censor- censorship laws come from? Who created this false controversy? Once again, we don't have to look any further than the attorneys at ALEC, or the American Legislative Exchange Council. So this is part of a series on a feature columnist there, Janine Mollett for BuzzFlash. The title is The White Supremacist Propaganda Attack on Our Public Schools 
courtesy of Alec. The late Lee Atwater was the GOP consultant who formulated the infamous Southern strategy which brought the grand old power, I'm sorry, which brought the grand old party back into power. Huh? Ah, excuse me. The strategy was reduced to the following quote, and I apologize for what I'm about to read because I do not use the N-word, but it's the actual quote. According to Lee Atwater, quote, you start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts you. Backfires. So you say stuff like uh, forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff, and you're getting so abstract. Now you're talking about cutting taxes, and all these things you're talking about are totally economic things, and a byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. Quote, we want to cut this is, a, is much more abstract than even the busing thing, uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than nigger, nigger, end quote. And this is from Liette Waters' um, inter 1981 interview for the nation on the Southern strategy. Huh? Excuse me. Ah. Oh. I hate temporary fillings. All right, on with my piece. This quote represents the epitome of what we now call out as dog whistle politics or the stealth-coded language of racists and neo-Nazis intended to thinly disguise their ugly intentions. That was yesteryear, this is now. Racists and Nazis no longer feel the need to hide their xenophobic mentality. For example, an Idaho school board candidate named Dave Riley has openly embraced the violent language of neo-Nazism, albeit social media style, complete with memes and sophomoric attempts at creed satire. He has also received the full endorsement of the Idaho GOP. Other than offering xenophobic libel hoping to incite political violence, Riley has no actual qualifications except his white skin, alleged white Christianity, and a double Y chromosome. His tweets are openly misogynistic, racist, and anti-Semitic. He has tweeted, among other things, that, quote, women's voting rights were a mistake, that women should not be allowed on social media, that more Americans should believe anti-Semitic stereotypes, that Judaism is the religion of Antichrist, and that all Jews are dangerous, end quote. And that's from uh, the Daily Beast. Ironically, Riley has sued people for reporting on his obvious bigotry, and they are obvious since Riley has a history of tweets which again contain multiple racist, misogynistic, and anti-Semitic sneers and libels. Well, that's from KXLY.com. Apparently it's a local television station. Wow. Moving on. Ah. One last thing. Riley is also vehemently against the teaching of CRT, a.k.a. critical race theory, which is consistent with his publicly stated opinions via Twitter. The power behind GOP's neo-Nazism, corporate-funded think tanks like ALEC, now, while Dave Riley has openly pushed this clear libel against minorities and women, he is merely a pawn suffering from limited gray matter and not one of major power brokers. No, the, that dubious honor comes from the world of corporate billionaires, compromised politicians, the legions of corporate attorneys who create a flurry of get-out-of-jail-free cards for the powerful and well-heeled and a handful of corporate-funded think tanks. One such think tank which operates as a bill mill creating model legislation with fill-in-the-blank ease is American Legislative Exchange Council, a.k.a. ALEC. Oh, taking a drink here. 
excuse me. Mm. The rich and powerful have, all, have always had a vested interest in maintaining rabid bigotry in U.S. society, and the motive is as old as the pyramids. When bigotry and subsequent scapegoating flourish in a nation, working people remain divided, rendering them easier to control and abuse. There's no deeper meaning behind this neo-Machiavellian campaign engineered to criminalize minorities who dare to demand equal rights. The racism, misogyny, religious bigotry, homophobia, etc., manifested by white supremacy slash neo-Nazism is necessary to divert everyone's attention from the very real economic and political crimes of the billionaire class. It's the intellectual equivalent of waving a red flag in front of a mad bull, nothing more. Excuse me. Mm. Sorry about that, folks. Take another drink there. The latest incarnation of such rabid Nazism lies within the dog whistle coded language of the anti-CRT movement infecting the national consciousness. CRT is the acronym for the theory taught in law school known as critical race theory. CRT is not taught in the K through 12 public schools, never has been. The corporate funded think tank who created, who creates these bigoted bills, Alex, huh? excuse me, another drink. Mm. I do apologize, folks. Mm. All right. So, Alex. Furthermore, the endorsement of neo-Nazi Dave Riley by the Idaho GOP coincides with the rash of anti-CRT bills flooding state legislatures, which seek to not only censor how history and current events are taught, but also censor the very mention of any narrative that challenges the veracity of the dominant white supremacist worldview. And yet these anti-CRT laws are not originating with the state-level legislators or the school board candidates pushing this anti-intellectual garbage. This censorship is being sponsored by many corporate-funded shills, but the lead author has been a group known by a seemingly benign acronym, ALEC or the American Legislative Exchange Council. So who is ALEC and how they sponsor this wholesale censorship of our schools? major expose conducted by CMD, the Center for Media and Democracy. The American Legislative Exchange Counselor, ALEC, has functioned as a bill mill and is responsible for crafting the templates used by GOP politicians nationwide, and as is documented by exposed by CMD. One model bill template fo focuses on the rash of anti-CRT bills receiving major media coverage. Realistically, these bills more closely align along the intellectual pablum lines of the false equivalence argument. In fact, these anti-CRT bills are solely predicated on that same false equivalence assertion. And think about it, that's all this crowd has to offer. False equivalence arguments, wholesale academic, wholesale academic censorship, and ALEC. The Center for Media and Democracy published an investigative report on ALEC's role in the anti-CRT movement. The headline reads, ALEC claims credit for voter suppression and anti-critical race theory laws at secret meetings. It was written by David Armiak, who is research director with the Center for Media and Democracy, and you can find it there. Now, ALEC has been in the news recently for another reason. They suffered a mass exodus of corporate funder members after news broke that the group was the impetus behind multiple racist voter ID laws. 
Alec responded to this income stream loss by allegedly dropping all model policy goals related to election procedures or any social issues. And that's as documented by Alec's own website. Unsurprisingly, Alec didn't keep its word and was back in the social issues business just in time for Trump's rant against the 1619 Project. From Trump's instigation came the anti-CRT brigades demanding that critical race there be banned from public schools K-12 curriculum. ALEC and the Council for National Policy, Ties to Hate Groups. Just as, pa- I'm sorry, just as past May, ALEC representatives were panel speakers at the Council for National Policy meeting, aka CNP. Many council members hold extremist political positions, openly embracing white, supremacy, white supremacist, anti-gay, anti-Muslim goals, as documented by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Many current and former CNP members have documented ties to known hate groups, and that's according to SourceWatch. The panel discussions revolved around state legislation on voting rights restrictions and predictably forbidding any mention of critical race theory in our public schools. This became the entryway for neo-Nazis like Dave Riley. The presenters from ALEC included three of their own board members, Utah State Senate President Jay Stewart Adams, Mississippi Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, future Florida Speaker of the House, Representative Danny Perez, and last but certainly not least, Alex CEO, Lisa Nelson. CMD obtained videos which documented their participation. Huh? Excuse me. Ah. Uh. Took another drink. Alec has claimed credit for the onslaught of anti-CRT legislation, hosting a virtual workshop on December 3rd, 2020, titled, quote, Against Critical Theories Onslaught, end quote. The workshop was part of their annual States and Nation Policy Summit. It counted corporate lobbyists, state legislators, and staff from right-wing policy groups as documented by an attendance list published by the Center for Media and Democracy, as documented by SourceWatch. The workshop description stated that, quote, the 1619 curriculum is infecting our schools. Diversity training is taking over our workplaces. How do patriotic Americans respond, end quote. And this is from pathable.com from Alex's you know, own website. Alex is essentially inciting the political lynch mob to ban the teaching of our full history by banning any mention of systemic racism, misogyny, or religious bigotry, and the pedagogical boogeyman is critical race theory. CRT is the excuse used by radical white supremacists to justify censoring academic freedom in our public schools. The fact that CRT is only taught in law school and has never been included in any K-12 curriculum remains as irrelevant to these rabid bigots as sanity does to the Donalds. CRT becomes the gateway issue needed to reduce history and civics curriculums to white supremacist propaganda. CRT is the new, quote, forced busing. CRT definition and why the GOP uses it to mobilize the mob. Authors Don Wiener and Alex Koch explain critical race theory as the following, quote, critical race theory posits that racism is not just the result of individual bias, but is the result of institutional laws, and practices that create or reinforce discrimination. 
but right-wing politicians have misconstrued the term's meaning and convinced many of their constituents that teaching an honest history of racism in America is akin to telling white students to hate themselves and their country. This is, end quote, documented by, uh, exposed by CMD. Wiener and Koch also quoted Boston University professor Ibram X. Kendi, who is the director of the Center for, Anti- for Anti-Racist Research regarding this very subject. Professor Kendi explained, quote, the Republican operatives who dismiss the expositions of critical race theorists and anti-racists in order to define critical race theory and anti-racism and then attack those definitions are effectively debating themselves. They have conjured an imagined monster to scare the American people and project themselves as the nation's defenders from that fictional monster, end quote. Again, as documented by Exposed by CMD. Wiener and Koch from CMD explained that the GOP must use this fear, the fear of this fictional monster, as a political wedge issue in order to recapture the House in the upcoming 2022 midterm elections. BuzzFeed News explained, quote, the strategy is rooted in what Republican officials believe worked for them in 2020, tying Democrats in swing districts to a hyper-emotional, intense local issue, even if it's not something that Congress has much of a role in. In the last election, it was police funding and Black Lives Matter protests, end quote. And that's as documented by BuzzFeed News. Alex, anti-CRT lobbying results in legislation, the Texas law, HR 3979, a.k.a. SB3. And we talked about this earlier. Taking a drink here. Mm. All right. So what does this anti-CRT lobbying from Alec create? Prime example would be a new education law in Texas, SB3. This is the dangerous law which demands that equal time be granted to opposing viewpoints. At a surface level, this sounds benign enough, but the malignancy of white supremacy lurks between the lines. SB3 censors what teachers and students may discuss in any subject matter throughout the entire K-12 curriculum. It whitewashes the truth about slavery, systemic racism, post-emancipation, systemic misogyny, and the Holocaust. It does so by a specific clause in the bill which demands that, quote, teachers who choose to discuss current events or widely debated and controversial issues of public policy or social affairs shall, to the best of their ability, strive to explore such issues from diverse and contending perspectives without giving deference to any perspective, end quote. And this came straight from the introduced version in Texas. Another drink here. Sorry, folks. Mm. Uh, anyone who's ever had a temper knows what I'm going through. All right. Getting back to it. Without giving deference to any perspective, this is the key thing right there. They snuck in. Back to my article. Look at that last clause, the one which forbids teachers from, quote, giving deference to any perspective, end quote. This is the language which requires granting, once again, false equivalence to racist and Nazi perspectives. This provision is correctly interpreted to mean that if a teacher covers the evils of the Holocaust, then that same teacher must include Holocaust denial as a legitimate perspective. This is the provision which grants a blanket permission slip to those who use the false equivalence argument as a smokescreen to disguise what are clearly xenophobic propaganda libels. This strategy represents 
a systemic and cowardly attack on children of color and other minorities while falsely claiming to protect children. Once again, Alec has its bloody fingerprints on this new Texas law since the sole author of the original House Bill 3979, which became the Texas law SB3, is Texas State Representative Steve Toth, an Alec member, as documented by SourceWatch. In conclusion, by now the role of Alec as a parasitic propagandist invading our public schools has become well established. The state of anti-CRT laws is hell-bent on hunting down a K-12 critical race theory curriculum that has never existed since that subject is limited to postgraduate legal studies. The lawyers of Alec know this, but the truth doesn't matter to them. The goal is to censor our teachers and replace our true history with white supremacist propaganda so the GOP of Trump can regain power. This ugly willingness on Alec's part to prostitute themselves has resulted in school board candidates like Dave Riley who are boldly open and proud of their neo-Nazi beliefs. This situation is far worse than the early, earlier Lee Atwater, quote, nigger quote. It reminds me of another opinion gleaned from a prominent politician regarding the ongoing struggle between academic freedom and propaganda. Below is the quote which reflects, in my opinion, the core values of Alex. Quote, propaganda's task is not to make an objective study of the truth insofar as it favors the enemy and then set it before the masses. All right, let me start again. Propaganda's, quote, propaganda's task is not to make an objective study of the truth insofar as it favors the enemy and then set it before the masses with academic fairness. Its task is to serve our own right always and unflinchingly. The source of the quote was Adolf Hitler. That's our story about CRT tonight. Now I have to go to find our delightful sound effects. Keep in mind, I am not good with technology. <laughs> so I'm looking for our delightful sound effect because we need it. Give me a second here. Next week, I promise I will be in better voice. Give me a second. Have to have this for our, okay, here we go. So now we have our Jackass of the Week Award. Get a minute here. We need our sound effect. Now we have our Jackass of the Week Award. Oh, I love our sound effects there. And this week, it goes to the earlier mentioned school board member in Colleyville, Texas, Tammy Nakamura, who I did try to call a couple times with messages on her voicemail, did not respond. Uh, she fought against the critical race theory boogeyman that doesn't exist in our school. Apparently, Tammy can't or won't understand that for the most part, again, CRT is not taught in K-12 institutions. It's taught in doctoral programs and law school. Face it, Tammy, what you call CRT is nothing more than teaching the truth about American history, period. There are some dark moments in history, as one journalist called it, that are so evil. There is no other side. You cannot speak the truth while pushing a false equivalence argument both sides of genocide, such as slavery, Jim Crow in the U.S., or the Holocaust. Facts are real. 
The Nazi war machine murdered 6 million Jews just for existing. The institution of slavery in the U.S. kidnapped, tortured, brutally enslaved, and yet murdered black people for no other reason than profit and bigotry, period. History should make students uncomfortable. We're supposed to be educating young people to become responsible and decent adults. Tammy, your preferred methods paved the way for a generation of spoiled princes. And to put it once again, jackasses. And for all those reasons, Tammy Nakamura, you are our jackass of the week. Congratulations. And that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I apologize for all those long pauses, temporary filling, felt like it was coming out, very uncomfortable. Anyway, I hope you learned something. I thank the gentleman who called in. Uh, Once again, I want to remind everyone, I will take calls, but normally I won't take them until until the end of the show. And I'll actually announce it, but he had some good things to say. So that's our show. With that, I say good night, and God bless us because we need it.